The Democratic Party is headed for an epic wipeout this fall, which means that Joe Biden's disastrous presidency has about seven months of shelf life left before it's functionally neutered. For most Americans who have suffered under Biden's feeble leadership, his inane policies, I mean, that's the good news. The bad news is that seven months is plenty of time for Joe to muck things up even more. Bumbling incompetence? That seems to be his only skill set. Polling data is a pretty strong barometer of what the November elections have in store for the Democrats. On every issue, they are taking a beating thanks to Joe. The worst national poll by Grinnell College gives Biden an abysmal 34% approval rating. The best poll by NBC News has him at around 40%, but dropping like the Hindenburg. On every significant issue, the Biden-engineered train is a smoldering wreckage. Gas prices, inflation, the economy, crime, policing, immigration, matters of race and gender, and the overall direction of the country, Joe Biden gets clobbered on his handling of the economy with just a scant 33% approval. There's one certainty in U.S. politics. Midterms are always a referendum on the president and his policy, and voters are clearly bitter right now. There is no sign that their antipathy, their animus, will change before ballots are cast in November. They're not buying Joe's vapid excuses that Vladimir Putin is to blame for our nation's economic woes. They know that the worst inflation in four decades well predated Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Americans have been struggling with skyrocketing prices for almost a year, even though Biden insisted last summer, oh, it's just transitory or, you know, it's a high class problem. His recent warning that it will only get worse is an affirmation of his earlier lies and confirmation that Joe Biden has no idea what he's doing. The good news is that Americans know what to do. They intend to exercise their power to kick the ruling party out of Congress, or at least enough of them, so that Republicans regain firm control of both houses. This will serve as an indelible check on Biden's authority and a major roadblock to his radical policies of destruction. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times best-selling author. This is the brief with Greg Jarrett. I have a warning for you. Inflation and tax hikes are Biden's only way out of our twenty-eight trillion dollar federal debt. So if you have fifty thousand dollars or more in your IRA, four hundred one k, or savings, your money is at risk. Learn how you can protect it with physical gold and silver. Call 855-665-0767 to get your free gold IRA kit. That's right. Call 855-665-0767 
And my friends at GoldCo will give you up to $15,000 or more in free silver with a qualified account. GoldCo has helped thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation and tax hikes. So what are you waiting for? Call 855-665-0767 now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Anyone who's ever paid close attention to Joe Biden's political career knew that he would be a lousy American president. His nearly four decades as a U.S. senator was notable for chronic misjudgments, regrettable votes, temper tantrums, and endless gaffes. As Obama's vice president for eight long years, he was treated like a lampshade, routinely mocked as a dim bulb which he is. But the pandemic breathed new life into his faltering campaign. Joe hid out in the basement bunker of his Delaware mansion as COVID wreaked havoc on the national landscape. His handlers would occasionally trot him out in front of a teleprompter where he would simply read something that was written for him, and then he'd retreat into the bunker, never facing any rigorous questions or challenges. The grand strategy of concealment worked. Joe Biden was elected. Surveys show, though, that people didn't vote for Joe, per se. They mostly voted against Trump. They didn't dislike the incumbent's policies. They actually liked them, but they grew fatigued of the constant acrimony that accompanied his presidency. Well, that's one hell of a way to elect someone to the highest office in the land. But it happened. And what ensued was an entirely predictable set of circumstances. Joe Biden took office and immediately began blindly dismantling everything that Trump had accomplished. By executive fiat, he transformed America from energy independence to energy reliant on foreign sources. What happened? Well, prices rose, as they inevitably would. Biden went to war against our nation's oil and gas industries. He tried to put them out of business while buying more expensive, dirty oil from other countries. It made no sense, and Americans everywhere had to dig deeper into their pockets to pay for Joe's insanity. Biden never understood that energy drives every aspect of our thriving economy. Manufactured goods have to be transported across our vast nation. Higher fuel costs are invariably passed along to consumers in the form of increased prices. And then together with Nancy Pelosi and a Democrat-controlled Congress, Biden made matters worse by spending cash as if it grew on trees. They flooded the economy with trillions of dollars by printing more money. And as those dollars saturated the marketplace, prices inflated even more. That's the kind of dire economic fallout that students learn about in Econ 101. But of course, Joe Biden was a miserable student. And that brings us to the present. A recent Fox News poll is a harbinger of the November elections. Americans are hurting, and they correctly hold Democrats in power responsible. 
A whopping 74% say the U.S. economy is in bad shape and they blame Joe Biden directly. Two-thirds of voters disapprove of how he's handling inflation. 68% blame him for the spiraling gasoline prices. What's the solution? Americans want Biden to change course and readopt Trump's energy independence. A staggering three-quarters of voters want to increase domestic oil drilling and gas production. Two-thirds want the Keystone XL pipeline project restored. But naturally, Joe Biden is too arrogant, too stubborn to do any of that. To reverse himself now would be an admission that he was wrong and drove America off an economic cliff. Biden's election was based on a lie. During the campaign, he promised he would pursue only moderate policies, and once he was sworn in, he immediately embraced a hyper-partisan progressive agenda despite slim congressional majorities. In essence, Biden handed over his presidency to the cultural left. He pledged fidelity to the Green New Deal and other radical policies that have proven calamitous. In the short course of one year, the U.S. has been saddled with the most debilitating inflation since 1982. As veteran political pro Karl Rove put it, he assumed he could persuade the public to like what it previously loathed. Joe Biden has failed spectacularly. Again, all of this was entirely foreseeable. Biden has always been tone deaf and a clumsy communicator, but it's his uncanny ability to make bad decisions and his determination to adopt toxic and destructive policies that has sowed the seas of his demise and the Democratic Party. Beyond domestic affairs, Biden's foreign policy bungling has only magnified his incompetence. After his tragic Afghanistan blunder, he turned his attention to Ukraine, where his son, of course, had banked millions of dollars in seemingly corrupt influence peddling schemes. Last fall, Biden signed an accord with President Zelensky, giving him the green light for Ukraine to join NATO. Now, that was something that previous American presidents had refused to do because they knew it would provoke Russia's military. And sure enough, Vladimir Putin began amassing his forces along Ukraine's border and eventually invaded. Nice job, Joe. In a vain attempt to show leadership in a crisis, Biden traveled to Poland recently, where he promptly bollocked up one event after another. He told American troops they'd soon be in Ukraine. He literally said that, despite his previous statements that there would be no U.S. troops on the ground in Ukraine. So, of course, the White House had to immediately walk it back. Then Biden remarked that if Putin used chemical weapons, the U.S. would respond, quote, in kind. <laughs> My goodness, that gaffe was quickly retracted by the president's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan. And finally, in a fiery speech in Warsaw, Biden deviated from the teleprompter script and said this. Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia 
where free people refused to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principle, hope and light, of decency and dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. Fearing a dangerous escalation, the White House, including the Secretary of State Tony Blinken, had to wipe up Biden's mess by stating he did not mean evicting Putin from the Kremlin or regime change in Russia. But this is what Biden's White House has become. They're they're like the company ServPro, a 24-hour emergency cleanup service that tries to fix a disaster. Joe is a stumbling, fumbling, mumbling, one-man disaster who makes a mess of everything. He's the kind of guy who could set a swimming pool on fire. He can turn gold to dust in an instant. His handlers must be exhausted trying to fix his constant goofs. When Biden returned home from Poland, he was confronted about his gaffes. Fox's Peter Ducey asked him whether foreign leaders can take him seriously if the White House keeps walking back all of his statements. Joe's response? It was right out of Alice in Wonderland. Are you worried that other leaders in the world are going to start to doubt that America is back if some of these big things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back? What's getting walked back? It made it sound like, just in the last couple days, uh, it sounded like you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine. It sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon, and it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia, and we know... None of the three occurred. None of the three occurred? None of the three. It was an audacious lie. All three misstatements by Joe Biden indeed occurred. All three were corrected by the White House. That's a matter of public record. All of his screw-ups were on camera. It's now a blooper reel on the internet. But ludicrous denial of the obvious is what Joe Biden does best. When caught making a colossal mistake, he simply pretends it never happened. He'll stand right there, look you square in the face, and lie to you and the American people. Nobody in the press corps was buying the farce. Even the usual Biden cheerleaders and the liberal media guffawed. Correspondents from NBC News, PBS, and CNN challenged him after Ducey. What did he do? Biden doubled down on his lies. It was really breathtaking. And what's even more stunning is that Biden was holding a small card or a cheat sheet that told him what to say, how to get out of the mess he'd made. Someone in the press room photographed the card. You could read the words that were written for him in bold print. It was entitled, Tough Putin Q&A Talking Points. What followed beneath the card were vacuous excuses and laughable deflections that his flax had conjured up so he could weasel out of his foul-ups. But even that flummoxed old Joe. He couldn't manage to follow the choreographed script that was staring him right in the face. He proceeded to contradict his aides and his own secretary of state by once again calling for Putin's overthrow. Joe made a mess of the foreign visit. He made a mess of the news conference. 
and he has certainly made a colossal mess of our economy. Even ServPro couldn't remedy the wreckage that Joe Biden has wrought. Voters are acutely aware that Biden's reckless policies are the principal cause of our rampant inflation. He promised to shut down COVID-19, but didn't. His draconian mandates were unpopular. On other issues such as crime, border security, voting rights, and build back better, Biden staked out positions that Americans do not like. Instead of steering a moderate course as he vowed, he veered far left with an agenda that alienated a vast number of independents and even many mainstream Democrats. And yet the outspoken progressive wing of his own party is determined to push Biden even further to the left. And Joe seems more than willing to capitulate. Take a look at his latest budget proposal. It is a wingnut's dream. All of this is a recipe for electoral calamity for the Democratic Party. Voters are understandably disappointed and even angry at the Biden presidency. A severe reckoning is a mere seven months away, and no course correction can fix it in time. Joe, Nancy, and the Democrats are in for a rude awakening. Let's call it a regime change. You can almost hear Americans shouting in unison, for God's sakes, this man cannot remain in power. Joining me now are two well-respected pollsters. John McLaughlin has been a strategic consultant and pollster for over 35 years. His brother, Jim McLaughlin, is a nationally recognized public opinion expert and political strategist. And gentlemen, great to see you. Thanks for coming back on the podcast. John, let me start with you. Um, I was looking at your polling figures, your polling data, and it shows several things. Uh, 70% of all voters think the economy is getting worse, not better. And for the third consecutive month, uh, Joe Biden's approval rating is stuck at 41% with the majority of 57% disapproving of, of Joe Biden's performance. What does this portend for the November elections. Well, it's it's really bad for the Democrats, which they already know, which is why they're trying to change the election laws again. Uh, but the, the amazing part for us is like Jim and I, when we when we take this monthly survey, uh, we've, we've been doing it for years. And that 70% that the economy is getting worse, that's higher than it was in the midst of COVID. That's higher than it's been I think for as long as we've been polling. And when you look at it, it's across the board. I mean, certainly Republicans, 87% say it's getting worse, but 52% of the Democrats say it's getting worse. 73% of women, which is higher than men, because women are going to supermarkets every day. They're seeing prices of food go up, basic commodities go up, they're paying the bills in their homes. And it's really bad for the Democrats because it's making... African-Americans available to us. It's making Hispanic voters available to us. It's killing working class people. And you have in this poll, the, the Republicans leading the Democrats in a generic ballot for Congress, 48 to 44. But of the 8% who are undecided, you've got three quarters 
uh, say the country's on the wrong track and you've got two thirds disapproving the job that Joe Biden is doing. So, yeah. uh, you know, with that, I mean, Jim can pile on at this point, but yeah, it's Jim, really bad. <laughs> so. what, what do you, again, what does this mean for, and if it were seven months away to the midterm elections, which are always, uh, you know, sort of a referendum on presidential performance. Uh, so what's going to happen? Yeah, and, and your point, Greg, is exactly right. Normally what happens in these off-year elections, the party in power, the party of the president, they lose an average of about 30 seats. But you look at Joe Biden's negatives right now, and they're a disaster for the negatives. And I know everybody kind of likes to look at the job approval rating. The number that really matters for John and I when we're working on campaigns is that disapproval rating. And as John said, it's 57% nationally right now. So what does that mean? When John and I are in elections, we basically just got to convert about 85% of Joe Biden's negatives for our candidates and get them to vote for him. And the bad part for the Democrats is, yeah, we're up by four in the generic ballot. But when you look at those all-important undecided voters, those negatives are up around 75% with Joe Biden. He's got... You know, his numbers with independents are just a disaster right now. He's got a 67 disapproval among middle class voters. He's got a 71 percent disapproval with independents with female independents. Remember, those are the groups we've been fighting over the last couple of years. He has a 75 percent disapproval rating with female independents. Why? Because he's failing. And the other number that we did in that survey was, yep, 70 percent say the economy is getting worse. You've got 53% of voters already say we're in a recession. And what the White House is telling us, the economy, oh, it's doing great. We're creating all these jobs, blah, blah, blah. The American people do not feel that way, especially the working middle class, because they know everything they do when they wake up in the morning is costing them more. So we're in what I call right now an affordability recession. Has uh, John, has, has Joe Biden's recent handling of Russia's war against Ukraine only deepened people's perception that he is suffering a decline in cognitive ability, the mistakes, the, the gas, the instant corrections by the White House, walking everything back uh, whenever he speaks. That seems to underscore the belief that this is a president who is not competent? Does the polling data reflect that sentiment? Well, Biden was already sliding in May and June of last year in the polls. And what really triggered the massive failure was the surrender in Afghanistan. Right. 58% of all Americans thought that was a surrender, not a withdrawal. And it really, that's when the, the past crossed that the majority of Americans disapproved the job he was doing. And uh, uh, we do polling all around the world in democracies, places where they don't shoot the pollster. Um, and we basically, I, I was in <laughs> Hungary three weeks ago. We worked for the prime minister over there, who's a good friend of uh, President Trump. The world misses Donald Trump because you knew where he was coming from. You may not like to style, but when he gave you his word, um, you could count on it. And I saw, the, I saw President Trump before I went there over a month ago and, and President Trump made the remark that, you know, Putin would not have done this when he was president because at one point he thought that Putin might be looking at Ukraine and President Trump told him, if you 
go after Ukraine, I will bomb Moscow. And and Putin had no doubts about that being true. Right. And and now you've got Joe Biden. There's only one country that can stop Putin right now. That's the United States. NATO, you know, uh, they're they're all the the allies there are relying on themselves right now. But they're also relying on Russian gas and oil, which is a a problem uh, because Biden's cut that energy back. But at the same time, there's only one country in the world that could put it in a no-fly zone over Ukraine and stop the Russians. There's only one country in the world that could face Putin down in terms of possibly using weapons of mass destruction. And when you look at Joe Biden and the majority of Americans think 58 percent think he should take a cognitive test and release it publicly. Right. A little lower than Nancy Pelosi, who gets sixty-one percent on that. Yeah, third in line. So, gee, that's. <laughs> but in our poll on our, on our website, on McLaughlinOnline.com, seventy-five percent to seventeen percent right now approve of a law where the president gets regularly tested for health, and if he's impaired, he has to inform Congress. Yeah. So that's a scary number because. Granted, I have a strong feeling that Biden's corruption is fueling his mistakes in Ukraine and Russia because he was on their payroll via the Hunter uh, deals and all that kind of stuff. But that corruption and his is now, you know, leading to this belief there's a cognitive decline. And his statements are just really bad because Europe thinks they're on their own. Yeah. You you know, uh, Jim, in my last podcast, uh, I talked about the most recent confirmations by the New York Times that the Hunter Biden laptop was authentic. Indeed, it does contain incriminating information of influence peddling. And of course, you know, this was sedulously covered up by the media, big tech, and the run-up to the 2020 presidential election. In fact, it worked because many voters now admit they were utterly unaware of it. And many are now saying they would not have voted for Biden if they'd known about the corruption that seems to implicate Joe Biden himself. You guys have written a column stating that big media and big tech stole the presidential election. Tell us more. Yeah. And and look, and I want to go back for a second to the point that you just made. You think about those big things that we had to that the White House had to circle back on and try to correct him. And then he came back and said, oh, no, I meant those things. Did he really mean he's going to send American troops, put them on the ground in the Ukraine? Did he really mean he was going to use chemical weapons? And the American people are seeing this every day. And John and I, when we do our polls, we're looking back on this stuff and we're saying, the, we think the numbers maybe can't get worse. They keep getting worse. And to go back to your question that you just asked, Greg, you were right on all this stuff. You were telling us all about this before the election in 2020. You had a large chunk of Biden's voters, more than a third, had no idea about the Hunter laptop story. I mean, think about that. And not only that, voters are making the connection now that the cover up by big tech, the mainstream media on that, That's what's causing our problems right now. You think about it. Look at the price of gas. And what he was doing was he took away our energy independence. And who did that help? It helped the terrorist countries in the Middle East. It helped Vladimir Putin. And when we don't have energy independence, what does that do? It hurts our national security and it hurts our economic security. And it probably explains a lot of the madness that's going on with Joe Biden's policies. Right. You know, John, um, 
you also, again, I was pouring through your data. Uh, you found that a full 55% of voters don't think that Joe Biden is going to serve his full term and that Kamala Harris will be president, but her approval ratings are far worse, aren't they? I mean, voters think she's more incompetent than Joe Biden. Yes, and, and, and they think, I mean, the, the, the largest share think that both incompetent, but but uh, right. 50, that's thirty three percent. Another fifteen percent say Biden's more common. Eleven percent say her. But yeah. the but the thing about it, she's only a forty favorable, and she's a fifty five dis, dis uh, unfavorable among all voters right now. She's not a likable person. Trump said that during the debates. He says, you know, she started out with a little bit of vote, but in the Democrat primary, she only got one percent. And when you look at her right now, where you're saying. The, the majority of voters look at Biden and say, we don't think he's going to make the term. We think she'll be president. Right. But the American public doesn't want her right now. And, and Jim and I refer to her as impeachment insurance, because as long as she's there, the Democrats aren't at, aren't impeaching their president for any corruption from the scandals with Hunter Biden and the Biden family. They're not uh, talking about the 25th Amendment um, because they they're afraid they're going to fare worse with her. Than they will with uh, Joe Biden right now. And yeah. uh, it looks bad on both counts for November. Yeah, I mean, she can't even keep a staff. I mean, they fled in mass, you know, grumbling on the way out the door that she doesn't know what she's doing because she doesn't study. She doesn't read anything. She doesn't prepare on the issues, you know, and she just gets out. And when she gets caught out there with a tough question, even an easy question, but she doesn't know the answer to it, she starts laughing, which which is not only inappropriate, but, you know, it's offensive and thus her low poll numbers. I, I, let me talk about something else here, because the latest polling data should be enough to send, you know, Joe Biden and Democrats into long term therapy. This is a boom for psychiatrists. You know, maybe electric shock treatment would work. They, they are suffering double digit deficits on the issues that matter the most to everyday Americans, the economy, inflation, reducing crime, securing the border, education. If the polls are a report card, Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris and the Democrats at large get a resounding F. How could they have mangled Jim so badly the management of our nation in the course of one short year? I mean, that's a hell of an accomplishment. It, it's amazing. And we've never seen this before where the voters are blaming uh, the president for the problems that are going on right now. And you just blame that all the issues that matter most. The Democrats have significant deficits, especially Joe Biden versus the Republicans right now. And that's a big problem for them. The, the first thing is, They've gone way too far to the left. Like when when voters used to have disagreements with, say, Hillary Clinton or uh, Barack Obama, they'd say, yeah, they're too liberal or they're ineffective. And they'd say things like that. With Joe Biden, they're using terms like he's a socialist. He's a Marxist. He's anti-American. He's radical. He's extreme. And you think about how Joe Biden won the election. He won saying he was going to bring the country together. He said he was going to be uniter. He was going to be bipartisan. Meanwhile, 
he is viewed as the most radical left-wing president that we've ever had. And, and to John's point, that's the best thing he has going for him is that he doesn't have a competent, capable vice president. She is that, you know, insurance that we talked about. And by the way, you know who's third in line? The most unpopular politician in America, Nancy Pelosi, with right. nearly six out of 10 voters are unfavorable to her. And they think all those issues you mentioned, Greg, inflation, the economy, crime, immigration, uh, Afghanistan and the Ukraine, they think Joe Biden has been wrong on all, all those things. And even a lot of Democrats think he's been wrong on those issues. You know, John, to, to Jim's point, <clears throat> when people voted for Joe Biden, what they thought they were going to be getting is a return to sort of regular ordering Washington uh, because Biden promised he was going to be a moderate. All right. All will be well. Instead, they get this president who veered far to the left. He instituted policies that drove up inflation to a 40-year high, profligate spending, his war on U.S. energy producers, as Jim said, uh, you know, turning America in the course of one year from energy independence to energy dependence and reliance on foreign sources. And Americans are literally paying the price. They're struggling uh, to, you know, meet their grocery bills, to fill up their tanks so they can go to work, earn a paycheck, put food on the table, pay the rent. Uh, and by the end of this year, the burden of inflation caused by Biden will cost hardworking American citizens roughly <clears throat> $6,000 out of their pocket. So what is that? That's a $6,000 per year inflation tax uh, to pay for Biden and, and Democrats' agenda. Won't that inevitably trigger a, a serious backlash against them when voters cast their ballots? Yes, it's a, it's a huge opportunity for the Republicans. It's a huge opportunity for the conservative movement because of their failure. And, and the thing about Biden is ideologically, during the Trump campaign, we struggled where the media wasn't allowing us to paint him as the radical he was. And, and we were trying to say that he was controlled by the radicals and that, uh, you know, you would suffer in Joe Biden's America. They would defund the police. And you see a national crime wave now. We never had that before. Um, they would they would have all these crazy mandates. And what you've got with Joe Biden is kind of when Obama ran, Obama, uh, when he won his first term, people thought he was a more of a moderate remember you know who joe the plumber they had the debate and he said no i'm not gonna you know take your money etc and uh, and he was right. trying to portray people as as a himself as a moderate and then he went in and he did pretty radical things well joe biden's people were helped by barack obama eventually he supported him or or helped him out and uh they they brought that formula there and now you've got you know the obama people Inside the White House, whether it's Susan Rice and others and Blinken, a lot of these people, you know, when you have a, a su successful team, a lot of times you have a second and third team. This is the Obama third team, Blinken, et cetera, running uh, uh, the Biden administration who were really radical. And whether it's climate change or the Iran deal, they're going to bring back the Iran deal. And they're, they're, 
they're begging Iran to allow them to give them money to all oh, we won't call the uh, Iranian uh, Revolutionary Guard the uh, uh, terrorists anymore. Right. We're going to allow Russia to broker the deal and we'll allow the Russians to build a $10 billion nuclear plant for you that right. you can uh, store your uh, waste and materials that you're going to create a nuclear weapon with. I mean, the Biden people are literally the the ones that Obama didn't put on the first team. These are the substitutes. Right. And a lot of Hillary's people like Jake Sullivan, national security advisor, who was knee deep in the whole phony uh, Trump Russia collusion narrative. uh, You know, it's it's not just insane. It's just profoundly stupid. Um, You know, Jim, are are these you know, many of the misguided policies, especially the social policies that are pushed by Biden and Democrats, um, driving voters away from their party. They, I mean, they want to interject race, gender, social justice, police reform into every aspect of people's lives. And they continue to push critical race theory, affirmative action, defunding police, transgender rights. These are things that tend to be politically toxic, especially in swing districts. And, and it, you know, it's not connecting with the vast majority of Americans. Yeah. And, and I want to go back for a second. We ask who's running the country. All I know, there aren't a lot, as many people getting COVID now. And right now you've got Jen Psaki, Hillary Clinton, and Barack Obama all have COVID right now. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's that, a connection. That could, that could have been an interesting meeting. Yeah. But, but, but Greg, Right now, the Republicans have a great opportunity. They are on offense right now. All the Republican voters out there, they're, they're energized. They're behind the candidates. They're good. Republican candidates across the country, unless you're running a really bad campaign, you're going to get 95% of the, of the Republican vote. And we talk to you about, look at these, you look at these independents right now. In the generic ballot right now, we've got the Republicans up by double digits. Independent women, they're up by about 13, 14 points. But you also look at the Democrats softness right now with black voters and especially among Hispanic voters right now. One of the Mm -hmm. reasons why Donald Trump won Florida last time was because he basically split Hispanic voters with uh, with Joe Biden in Texas. He won overwhelmingly in Texas when there were media polls saying it was going to be a close race in Texas. He won Hispanic voters by over 40 points. Hispanic voters especially right now are looking at the failures of the Democrats and they're looking to vote Republican. I can't tell you in how many times in focus groups I've heard from Hispanic voters where they'll tell you, you know, the Democrats are just like the the failed, corrupt uh, socialist dictators we left like Fidel Castro, Hugo Chavez, Maduro, Ortega. That's what they're comparing the Democrats to right now. What are they and, and what do Hispanic voters want to do? They want a strong economy. They come here for a better life for their families. They want safe and secure streets. And then they want a good education. And instead of teaching their kids about reading, writing, and math, they're running around foisting this crazy left-wing socialist agenda on them. And what's happening is the silent majority is raising up against the Democrats on these yeah. issues. And, and, you know, John, I keep wondering, how in the world did – did Democrats misread the national landscape so badly, as Jim has outlined? I mean, their narrow victory in 2020, 
was not a blank check for Joe Biden to be the next FDR building on the New Deal or, or, or LBJ's Great Society. No, it, it wasn't at all. That's not why people voted for Biden. So was it simply the arrogance and hubris of Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer? Or did they somehow let uh, progressives hijacked their administration in Congress? Well, I think, first of all, they were drinking their own Kool-Aid. Right. They were deranged by President Trump, and they really believed that they were going to have a blue wave, a Biden blue wave. They were going to win. I mean, the Washington Post put out a poll a week before the election in November 2020 where uh, they had the president losing by 17 points in Wisconsin. And and the president (laughs) called me at 6 in the morning in Vegas. He had done a rally after midnight the night before. And he says, what's the matter with this poll? I said, it's the Washington Post. And I said, they're trying to... They know that most of their vote had been banked by these absentee mail-ins, mail-in ballots, ballot harvesting that that right. that David Pluff had strategized and uh, Zuckerberg had paid for. So they knew they had a lead in the mail-in ballots. And I said, Mr. President, this is simply propaganda where there's eight points more Democrats, there's a little more urban vote, and you're not down 17. It's a dead-even race in Wisconsin. And... Uh, and he said, why would they do that? I said, because it's cold, people have COVID, and your vote's coming on election day because they don't trust the mail-in ballots. Yeah, they're trying to suppress the Republican vote and and gin up Democrat vote. Yeah, and they did that, you know, and they did, so they did that on purpose. And, and it fired up President Trump, you know, and, and ultimately it was at 160 million votes. We lost by 44,000 in three states. But, um, but without a doubt, uh, the Democrats were drinking their own Kool-Aid. And now what you've got is ideologues who really don't care, who really don't care what the polls say. They have an agenda that, of government control, and they believe, they absolutely believe in, you know, that, that we should be paying 5 or $6 a gallon for gas. Because oh, yeah. They love it. Juice, right. It all, you know, because they, they're going to. Yeah, they're going to affect the weather. <laughs> it's like they're not. It's it's like so you get that, and plus they want to control what you can buy and eat, what your kids learn in school. That I mean, it's really a government control agenda versus freedom and and democracy, right. and and we've got to fight for freedom and democracy, and, and, it, and it's going to be a big backlash. It, we're going to fight. I mean, it's the it's the progressives who keep pushing Biden further and further to the left. And they seem, Jim, to be utterly oblivious to where the nation is as a whole. They're they're constantly issuing demands and ultimatums in pursuit of this far-left radical agenda that a vast majority of Americans don't like, have zero chance of becoming law. How much damage is, for example, the Congressional Progressive Caucus, which always seems to gain so much outside public attention and press coverage? How much damage is that doing to the Democrats in the upcoming election? You know, remember, these are the people that came up with these crazy uh, energy policies and their crazy Green New Deal. These are the crazy people that thought it was a good idea to defund the police. And now you've got AOC saying um, the reason why Joe Biden is failing isn't because he's gone too far to the left. He hasn't gone as far to the left as he should be going. And again, when you think about what voters are telling us right now, they're calling him a radical. They're calling him an extremist. They call him a Marxist. They call him anti-American right now. That's the worst advice in the world that 
Joe Biden and the Democrats could be taken right now. And John and I are old enough to remember, and you might be old enough to remember, Greg, but remember when Bill Clinton and Al Gore, they were running in 1992. Remember, they were new Democrats. Right. Well, that was basically the Democrats saying, hey, we're not like these crazy lefties like George McGovern and Walter Mondale and Michael Dukakis that used to run the party. What they were saying was, you know, we're more in the middle right now. But I think they're just totally unaware what's going on in America right now. But the worst part about it is they're out of touch with the everyday problems that Americans are dealing with, whether it comes to their pocketbooks or whether it comes to crime or just making sure their kids get a good education without getting a crazy uh, left-wing agenda foisted upon their kids. So I think you know, people ask, him, ask me all the time, they say, how can we stop this? The only way they're going to learn is they have to get they have to get beaten and beaten badly in these midterm elections. It's the yeah. only thing that's going to help the country right now. Well, I do remember it. In fact, uh, I'm older than you guys. I, I go all the way back to uh, my memory of the 1960 election, Kennedy versus Nixon. My mother voted for Kennedy. My father voted for Nixon. Yeah, and, yep. and, and uh, you know, can I can I make a point on that, Greg? Yeah, think go ahead. About it. Think about it. Think about John F. Kennedy. He ran strong national security, anti-communist. He ran on tax cuts. Right. He was pro-life. That's where the Democratic Party used to be, and. You know, when Reagan was successful, he got those Kennedy Democrats to vote Republican. Just think how far to the left that the Democratic Party has gone right now, where a lot of people said that the reason why Richard Nixon lost was because John F. Kennedy got to his right. Yeah, I know. I think it's absolutely true. And, you know, John, Democrats, you know, they've suddenly got a case of the for reals. I mean, they're looking at the polling data. Um, Some Democrats can read. Uh, and they so they held this retreat recently to figure out, you know, what's gone wrong? What did we do wrong? Uh, and, and their answer, their their solution is it's not our policies. People love our policies or they should love our policies. It's our messaging. We're, we're just not uh, communicating properly. I mean, that strikes me as obtuse at best. What do you think? Well, absolutely. They're trying to gaslight people into tell, telling us it's like a propaganda machine uh, and people aren't going to fall for it. But, you know, at the same time, what, what they're playing to their base. 38% of voters in the Democrat Party in New York State, Jim did a survey, called themselves socialists. And, and, you know, that's the only place where socialism basically is in a contest within the Democrat Party among their primary voters. But the vast majority of voters, I mean, when we refer to, like, as Jim said, we're running our campaigns against Biden. And Biden, even though he's not on the ballot, he's on the ballot. He'll be in more Republican ads than he'll be in Democrat ads this year. And 22 percent of the voters who voted for Biden now disapprove the job he's doing. And independence is 63, African-Americans 23, Hispanics 41, uh, women it's 59%. Uh, if we hit all those numbers, it's a landslide for the Republicans. And that's right. their majority. It's in there being opposition to them. And at the same time, the Democrats are looking at their primary polls and they're saying, oh, I got to keep the AOC faction happy. I'm not doing enough on climate change. We need more electric cars. We need... Um, 
you know, we, we, we need to shut down, you know, more energy, uh, oil wells. We need to, uh, basically raise taxes on billionaires and drive capital and factories to China and away from America. So their solutions are all wrong and the people aren't going to get fooled for that because your life, your life doesn't get better. Right. Right. And, and, you know, if, if people don't see independents are very pragmatic, they, 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 they can swing either way. It doesn't matter. They're the ones who decide the race. There's a lot of Democrats available to the Republicans right now that are disillusioned with the, the, the extremism in their own party. But the independents will decide. And like people said to me when Biden gave his State of the Union, don't you think that'll help him? And I said, yeah, until people have to go buy gas and food. Right. And then, then reality crashes in. Reality is going to be the problem for the Democrats because – you know, every, you know, they're playing hardball and redistricting in a lot of states, you know, New York, California, Illinois, trying to wipe us out. They challenge us in Texas and Ohio, North Carolina. But, um, you know, they're trying to scrape out seats, but they can see it themselves. Their polls, like you said, the DCCC retreat for the uh, uh, Democrats. You know, they're saying our messaging is again through all the policies. So terrible. <laughs> uh, you know, and I was on a program recently. I pointed out that, that you know, Americans are smart. Three quarters of yeah. them, uh, according to the polling data, you know, want American oil companies to drill more, gas companies to produce more. Two thirds yes. want uh, Biden to restore the Keystone XL pipeline, which he killed, which you know, would transport about 800,000 barrels of oil a day from Canada into the U.S. And he killed it, which was completely stupid. Oh, yeah, let's go buy dirty oil um, that, you know, has to be trucked and tr- and transported by train, burning uh, dirty uh, diesel fuel into the environment instead of pumping it through a pretty clean pipeline. Yeah, genius, genius. And you, you try to explain that to climate activists, and they just, you know, I, I, I don't know if they're just so blinded uh, with their agenda that they just won't listen or if they're just too stupid to understand. But I see no indication, Jim, uh, that Biden intends to reverse course in any way that will yeah. rectify, you know, these dire economic conditions that are causing Americans uh, to suffer. Is it possible for him to turn his poll decline around uh, with a course correction in time for the upcoming elections, or is it too late? No, it's possible. It's not out of the uh, realm of possibility. If you could say, hey, look, I've been wrong about all this stuff. Um, we shouldn't raise your taxes. We shouldn't spend all this money that we uh, that we don't have. We shouldn't do everything in our power to try to put the oil companies out of business. We should go secure our border. But just as you said, Greg, does he show any ability to be able to do that? And I I think back to this. At one point, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's, her chief of staff, her former chief of staff, he slipped. He said, these uh, Green New Deal policies aren't really about the environment. They're about socialism and getting control of the economy. 
And your point about people are smart about this. One of the other questions we ask in this is, you know, do they want smaller government or bigger government? By 20 points, over 20 points, they, the American people intuitively want uh, smaller government. But we are seeing, unfortunately, especially with a lot of younger people right now, they're more susceptible to socialism. But the reason why the Democrats, they had to change liberalism to the word progressive was because they knew their liberalism had failed. It was literally a marketing marketing gimmick that they uh, they stole that word from the Canadians. But the big problem he's got right now, there is no ability to move to the Senate the way Bill Clinton was able to do. And and in the way, quite frankly, that uh, Barack Obama was able to do, they just show no ability to be what they ran on during the campaign trying to be independent, trying to be bipartisan, trying to be middle of the road. Everything they do is far, far left, and the American people are seeing the failures. Yeah. You know, um, let me wind this down. Uh, I I actually read a lot of liberal publications because I need humor in my life. And, you know, I'm always, <laughs> I'm always looking for a good laugh. Uh, and I was reading uh, The Liberal Patriot, uh, and John Halpin, who's co-editor, made what I thought was an interesting point. Um, and it was actually repeated in a, uh, a column in The New York Times. And he said that extreme liberals are all in safe seats in deep blue districts. And that's true. And so those folks, you know, the extreme liberals, they will be reelected. Instead, it's going to be the moderates and the centrists in the Democratic Party that are going to lose seats in the fall elections, which means that, that Democrats in Congress are going to become even more. Uh, left wing, more radical, which, you know, in a moment of clarity, John Halpin, you know, says is going to be disastrous for the Democratic Party. Uh, Would you agree? Absolutely, because when you look at the moderates, I mean, you saw, you know, like a preview of this in Virginia last year where, you know, radical Democrats are still there opposing, you know, Yunkin and, and parents and schools, and et cetera. And you saw it in uh, New York State where uh, in the suburbs of New York and upstate, uh, the Republicans won big in deep blue New York. I mean, right now we've got, we have polling where Lee Zeldin's ahead of Kathy Hochul. And what it's about is that, you know, in Nassau County, we, we beat the author of Cashless Bail. That's caused a crime wave in New York. Right. Um, and and we we elected a Republican DA, but you know the Democrats in in Albany are pass, trying to pass a budget, and they're just doing cosmetic reforms to cash this bail. They're not repealing it, and they got a DA in Manhattan who won't enforce the laws that exist for felonies and should be fired. So you see what you see, you see in a, a prelude to this in New York, where uh, the Speaker of the Assembly and the leader of the Democrats in the Senate, they, they're telling Kathy Hochul they're going to keep, you know, cashless bail to keep these felons out in the streets. So, and, and Biden wants to do it nationally for the country as an equity policy. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's bad for the country. It's bad. But uh, uh, but I think, I think uh, your theory is right, that the moderate Democrats could become really extinct um, for allowing Joe Biden to masquerade as a moderate and then implement all these radical policies. Yeah. The, and 
the media and the Democrats, they always love to talk about, well, there's a civil war in the Republican Party right now. There's really not a civil war in the Republican Party. Republicans know what they stand for. They stand for things like lower government, less spending, more freedom, secure borders, a secure national security, energy independence. We know what we stand for. The real civil war right now is going on in the Democratic Party. And it's between the socialists and those few moderates. And that's the problem with the Democratic Party anymore. You know, Greg, you really can't win in a Democratic Party throughout the country being a moderate Democrat anymore. You think, look at a guy like Connor Lamb in Pennsylvania right now. He's kind of, you know, viewed as a more moderate but he's getting killed in the Senate primary by John Fetterman, who's one of those crazy left-wing AOC-type Democrats. Right. And you're seeing that all over the place. So, I mean, literally, it's. I think that's where you're going to see the Civil War after these elections is the moderates trying to get control in the establishment Democrats versus the far left-wing of the Democratic Party. Yeah. Should be interesting. Uh, many thanks. It's it's great to see you guys, John McLaughlin, Jim McLaughlin, uh, polling experts, uh, strategic consultants, uh, and political strategists. Your insights are always terrific, and I enjoy hearing them. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for the opportunity. Keep up the great work. All right, thanks. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening.